Welcome to Calling Shots. This is Seth Partnow. I am joined by newly minted, I don't know if it's royalty, but like peerage <laughs> or something, or, or uh, uh, the, the benighted uh, Eric name of The Athletic, uh, fresh off his maiden appearance on uh, The Low Post, uh, where he, he, he killed it. Uh, Eric, Eric name. Uh, welcome. Welcome. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for slumming it with me now. Uh, couldn't be happier to slum it with you. Uh, it's, it's always a delight when I get a chance to talk to you, uh, whether that is, uh, recorded in through a phone or in person as I look forward to having coffee with you tomorrow morning. Though the uh, conversations around coffee are, uh, are perhaps best left unrecorded. (laughs) Yes, Yes, yes. Um, so we're here to talk about the 10 and one Milwaukee Bucks and we're gonna talk a little bit about them, but then I'm going to flip it around because this is, I mean, this, this, this is the, almost the lame thing about for you that about covering them is their regular season success is so like metronomic mm-hmm. that you almost have to flip it around. It's like, okay, what could go wrong? But let's start with, with the, with this, you know, they in a season where there's been a lot of supposed contenders that have had drama, there's been a complete absence of any in Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everything that they worked on before the season, uh, everything that they've tried to change all makes total sense and is working very much in the way that they were hoping to. And, um, you know, for people that haven't read all of my articles or, uh, you know, haven't heard me talk about the Bucks other places. Like, essentially, um, I think this is one of the, the things that you and I talked about during the offseason about Mike Budenholzer and his teams is that uh, Bud may not make drastic adjustments game to game, and that might drive some people crazy. But he does spend an entire offseason freaking out about how to make his team better and how they can improve. And that doesn't mean wholesale changes, new systems, changing everything. That means the thing we were doing was already pretty pretty damn good. Uh, how do we make it, even even if it's just slightly, how do we make it better? And, and all of that has worked. Uh, on the defensive end, uh, for years, other teams knew that the Bucks were going to protect the rim they were going to play drop coverage with a very aggressive guard going over the top and try to force mid-range jumpers. But if you got deep enough, there was going to be help from the wings, and you could probably have a kick or a kick-kick or a kick-kick-kick and get yourself in above the break three. Like That was just going to be the, the way that you could do it. And sometimes you could get a corner three, but for the most part it's going to be in above the break three, and it's probably going to be open and not all that contested. Uh, and the Bucks got rid of that escape hatch that release valve whatever you want to call it uh when you turn the corner now they aren't leaving guys open like that they are not over helping they are daring you to go try brooke lopez and brooke lopez remains one of the very best drop coverage defenders in the league and one of the five best defensive centers in the league and maybe five is even being too too generous maybe i should bump that up a a little bit more and say top three um i think i've gotten in trouble in the past for saying he's the best drop defensive center in the league and people yelled at me for not including rudy gobert um but that's what they did so defense awesome offensively uh they haven't been all that good at this point uh they are somewhere depending on 
where you look at your rankings between 15 and 20, uh, depending on pace and, and all those other things. So it hasn't been all that good offensively, but also Chris Middleton is very much a large part of what they do offensively, and he hasn't played a game. Pat Connaughton hasn't played a game. Giannis is now going to sit out two straight games. Uh, Drew Holiday's missed a game. Not going to be two games. Uh, so they've had guys in and out. Offense hasn't looked that good, but I don't think anyone was expecting it to look great uh, without those guys. But one of the changes that they did make was they're just going crazy on the offensive glass. They, they play big lineups all the time, and very much like they did when they won a championship in the 2020-2021 season, they're just going to go hit the glass hard. And as Brooks said uh, in the story that I wrote about it, he's like, it sucks getting hit for four quarters. Nobody wants to do that. And I would add with my own commentary, nobody wants to get hit by Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis for <laughs> four quarters. Uh, that's not fun. Those two dudes are huge and strong and just a pain in the ass to box out on every single possession. And even though the Bucks are shooting terribly from the three-point line, they've managed to be middle of the road offensively, largely because the offensive rebound adjustment has worked. And uh, yeah, did any of those things I just said surprise anyone that has watched the Bucks this year? No, I, I would doubt that it did. Uh, but that gets to kind of the larger point is the Bucks have good players. They have a good coach. They have uh, good things drawn up for those players by that coach. And they're just going to be good. That's, that's just how it is right now. Like you need so many injuries at this point. To, to even make it look like there could be some struggles. And they're second-best players out right now, and it doesn't even look like they're struggling in any way. Like That's just kind of how, how systematic their beatdowns are in the regular season at this point. I mean, it's almost cliche that, that uh, they are the master in the NBA right now of the professional win. Yeah. They, I mean, the, the impression you get for most of the season in their offense is it hasn't really made it out of third gear. And it, and and some of that is personnel, and some of that is just, like, why do we need to turbocharge anything? Our defense is great. We'll, we'll get there when we get there, and that'll be good enough. Yeah, and, I mean, like, I do think, I don't know, offensively specifically, I do think they're trying some more things. Um, th- this is more dribble handoffs than they've ever ran under Mike Budenholzer, maybe the most dribble handoffs Bud's ever used, period. Um, and I'm really curious to see what it looks like with, no offense to the current players, playing with better players. Um, you know, do those dribble handoffs look any better when it's Chris Middleton coming off, when it's Pat Connaughton coming off? And I don't even think Pat Connaughton is a great dribble handoff player or anything, but he's more athletic and a little bit stronger than Grayson Allen, so... Maybe it looks better than what it looks like with Grayson Allen and Javon Carter uh, running it. And and then even further down the road, like, you know, what does Joe Ingles look like coming off a number of dribble handoffs and running pick and roll with Giannis Tedekumbo? I, I would guess it looks pretty good. Um, so I do think they've, you know, they're making some tweaks there, but offensively I think they just assume we'll get there when we get there. And if it turns into a slog, as it so often does under Mike Budenholzer in the postseason, we have three dudes that are really good in isolation, and Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And one of those three players will likely not be covering 
the other team's best player and actually have the legs to make a shot on offense. Uh, because we've seen in the playoffs when Drew Holiday decides to be Drew Holiday on defense, it takes a lot of energy. Um, it, it's hard to do, and he often doesn't shoot all that well. And we saw the same thing with Chris Middleton at the start of the Bucks. Uh, it's not dynastic, but the, the Bucks boonholzer era when they've been good. Uh, at the start of it, it was like, oh, Chris is covering Kawhi Leonard. I wonder why he's shooting four of 18 tonight. Oh, I think I figured it out. I, I, I think I understand why, because he's also being covered by Kawhi Leonard. And those two guys, as, as good as Chris is, he's, he's not Kawhi. And Kawhi can do that, and, and Chris could not. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think the offense will be fine eventually. Uh, they, uh, and, and if it isn't, I think there's a good chance the defense is so good that they can eke by in playoff series, even though the East is getting tougher and that's a, a tougher task overall. It's in many ways just an, an, an advert for, for, you know, I think continuity can get overly fetishized in the NBA. But I think this is, this is the perfect advertisement because it, you're, you're talking about, like, when they have better players. At the same time, you know, guys who are maybe not, at this point, great NBA players. Wes Matthews, not, not at this point in his career. Right. A great NBA player, but he knows exactly what he's supposed to do, <laughs> and he's being asked to do ex- like not really a whole lot more than he can do um, on, on any given night. And so you can be productive and and fit and 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 you know non damaging just by virtue of that and the fact that you know by and large everyone on the team is is in that situation. Like the you know the only player who is getting real minutes right now who maybe doesn't, is a rookie. Right. And, um, and even that rookie, they're not asking to do a whole lot, right? Like, it's, all right, Marjan, shoot from the corners. Um, if you don't catch the ball in the corner, go crash the offensive glass, and then defensively do your job, which is difficult for a lot of rookies, and Marjan's had some ups and downs, but, shit, if you're surrounded by, you know, four other professionals, and the most professional professionals at all times, like, all right, maybe you can you can squeak out some good minutes. Like you can actually be not not necessarily productive as a rookie, but as you said with Wesley Matthews, like not damaging. And that is a, that's a pretty big wing, especially for the Bucks, as as they try to find minutes on the wing. Is so many guys are hurt right now. So, I, I wanted to talk more about kind of the the you know. I think this is the kind of thing that usually makes fan bases crazy. Is we're going to talk about your team, but we're going to talk about everyone else in relation to your team. <laughs> but at this point, like regular season bucks, it's a bit like you know um, analyzing someone's method for washing clothes. It's just like it's it's a it is you can you it can be done well and it ha- is being done well, but it's not inspiring. Unless you're like super, I just dig on competence, and that's all I want to see. Like, <laughs> like those those TikToks of like people cleaning grills. Have you if you've ever seen those? They are they are oddly soothing, um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so, just wait, before before you go and do this, um, yeah, I, I would I would just like to say, um, I believe tomorrow morning I have what I would deem a fun article about someone learning to wash clothes in a new way um, with who one of my favorite players to cover in the league, because I do think he thinks about the game at a very high level. Um, Brooke Lopez. 
Brooke did some things with his three-point shot. He's shooting more threes uh, now, even even more than he did when it was like full-on Splash Mountain, hitting the league for the first time uh, in the first year with the Bucks. He's shooting more threes than his first year with the Bucks right now. Um, shooting them at a high percentage as well. Uh, we talked about what he did in the offseason with his three-point shot, and I will say um, I am a nerd. And as multiple people have told me in the last day or two, a, a huge dork. But I did find this nerdy and dorky uh, way to change a jump shot very interesting. So uh, th- th- I will just tease that. Now we can talk about all the things that could possibly go wrong for the Bucks or the ways uh, that they could be thwarted going forward. As a connoisseur of jump shot mechanics and alterations there too, I look forward to it. Um no, so I mean, obviously, the the number one way, like this is, we're gonna be, you know, look aside from injuries. Oh, if the best player gets hurt, well, well, no shit, everybody. So, <laughs> yeah. looking around, let's let's be specific, and then we'll we'll go to general. If there's like a team type that worries you, um, or would worry you, looking around, let's 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 start in the east, like. Which teams would concern you if you're the Bucks looking towards a playoff series, and kind of what would have to happen for those teams for you to be really concerned? Um, so I believe on the Giannis Antetokounmpo scale of worry, um, few things worry him more than teams that he feel defended him well or slowed him down in some way. And because of that, shorthand for, oh, these guys can actually defend or these guys can actually do something has turned into, oh, yeah, you know, they play a lot like the Raptors or they play a lot like the Heat because those were his two first, you know, um, failures is too strong of a word, but you know, those were the two first obstacles. Yeah. Those were, those were the two teams that knocked him out when he really felt like, you know, they had a team that could win a championship. I mean, those were his, his MVP seasons. Correct. Um, so when he felt he was at the peak of his powers, those were the two teams that were able to knock him out last year. Um, we were in Cleveland. I believe we were in Cleveland in January, February, um, maybe it was close to the end of the season. It, the, all these seasons blur together. <laughs> um, but they're in Cleveland, and after playing the Cavs, he mentioned the fact that their defense reminded him of Toronto and Miami. And where that leads me to is the Cavaliers don't have the same size that they did last year. They're a little bit smaller. Um, but... If you have a guy like Evan Mobley that you can put on the ball against him, and then you have a guy like Jared Allen on the backside, uh, you do have this the type of size that has historically bothered Giannis. In an ideal world, you would probably have a more competent wing um, that could also do some reaching in, maybe even spend a few possessions on him, and they don't have that, but... Overall, that type of team is something that is always going to draw my eye. When, when you do have 
that type of size in the same vein. Um, you know, <clears throat> I, I would say if you're talking about players that defend Giannis well, Nyeka Okongwu is on the short list. He's, he's, if he's not on the top of that list, he's very near to the top of that list. And on top of that, they, the Atlanta Hawks have a guy in Clint Capella who um, I, I believe a commenter on my story from Bucks Hawks from earlier this week, the Hawks beat the Bucks, um, and they told me that he's leading the league in charges taken. And that is something that bothers Giannis. If you are a player that flops around on the floor um, and for all of the good things that Clint Capella does, he flops around on the floor. Um, that's something that can bother Giannis. So you saw him pick up quick fouls against them. And you, so you have the guy in Okongwu that has the requisite size and athleticism to stay in front of Giannis, to be physical with him, um, to withstand Giannis's physicality, uh, and, and to really go out there and, and kind of just hold up. It's really hard to hold up against Giannis. He's seven feet tall, 245 pounds, and can Euro step from one side of the lane to the other. Like, it's really tough. And Okongwu has that type of athleticism. Uh, throwing John Collins into the mix as well. And you're looking at, you know, that three-pointed kind of like spear where it's like, all right, one guy on the ball and then two guys behind it that can also bother Giannis. Like, to me, those are are kind of the things, like, if we're talking about, you know, high-level concern about the Milwaukee Bucks in winning a playoff series, it is always going to start with who can actually slow down Giannis and who can actually stop Giannis. And, and to me, if you're looking at the top eight in the East right now, and again, things can change. Um, you know, the Sixers are at nine. Maybe they get bumped in there. Uh, Brooklyn's at 11, Miami's at 12. Maybe those teams all find their way in there, and, and Eric Spolstra has always schemed Giannis very well. But those are the two teams that I look around at and say, yep, they could make it tough on Giannis during a series. And, and that's not... Uh, and that's not ideal. Um... It sounds like we might be having a problem on the stream. I think we just got a text. Yep. I can still hear you. So if, if, if folks can't hear us, uh, um, hit, hit that, hit the, uh, the, the thumbs up button if you can hear us. Uh, but if not, it's, it, it, we should be around later. Uh, it should be available later when we publish the podcast. Okay. okay someone said they can hear us. Okay. All right, great. Um, so, so that's, that's what you're looking at, right? Like you're looking at, if I'm picking out two teams in the East, those are the two that come to mind immediately where it's like, all right, I could see them making it difficult on Giannis. That to me is like the first and foremost concern you will ever have for a, a Giannis-led team in the postseason. So I'm, I am, I am, hmm. First of all, I, I'm kind of like the actual Raptors, um, I, th I think that that if we throw, depending on where Christian Coloco is by the end of the season, the Raptors seem like a team that might um, 
sort of fit that that profile a little bit as well. Um, it's possible. But but the other side of this, I'm surprised you went straight to the defensive side because in my observation, that the 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 place where uh, the the place where the Bucks have more often had problems in the postseason over the last five years or so has been when their defense breaks down. Yeah, I think that's ridiculous. I, I just okay. I, I just don't think there's been problems with the defense. Like I, I think in the Heat series is the one time you can really look at thinking about, man, the defense need to be better. Over the years, it's always the offense. If you look at their defensive rating in all those series, it's always the offense that's taken a much larger fall. Uh, even when the defense hasn't been great, it is more so the offense that that's, doesn't that, score. That's enough. fair. And, that's and, fair. I, I, I guess, I, maybe, let me rephrase. Um, I've kind of built in expectations that the offense will be kludgy in the postseason. And, and so it is the defense gets pierced, which teams maybe can pierce the offense, the defense just enough. Um, I, I think, you know, at times we've seen it, it's, um, you know, in the early days it was, oh, three point variance. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. you open yourself up to that. Um, is there a worry about big wings? Is there a worry about, you know, you mentioned Cleveland um, on the offensive side. Is, it, is there any worry about being able to contain two quick shooty guards or so. And even if, I guess, even if it hasn't been a problem in the past, that doesn't mean it will never be a problem. Sure. So I'm wondering, like just expanding a little bit to not just who can stop Giannis, but who can there, who like the, the, the solidity of the whole team, if that gets removed and it becomes just talent for talents, then you start to wonder because the, you know, the, all these solid role players sort of fall away if they, against a team that has maybe a little more talent and, and can turn it into just, you know, a, a pickup game almost. Sure. Um, I mean, I do think big wings are somewhat of a concern. Um, I think Wesley Matthews held up well in last year's series against the Celtics. It wasn't great. It wasn't perfect, but... He held up well. Um, I think overwhelmingly in that series, you just felt like, man, they could really use Chris Middleton. Uh, And for as much as you felt that offensively, um, defensively, you know, there'll be people that'll say, you know, why didn't they switch everything against the Celtics or, or go away from the drop coverage? Or, you know, why did they essentially dare... Grant Williams to beat them, and the answer is it was their best option. Um, there was no better option than letting him do it because they couldn't switch. They didn't have the personnel without Chris Middleton, uh, who has been, you know, like the thing that kind of holds all of this together uh, in the most high stakes of moments. Um, they couldn't do it. It didn't matter if you played Javon Carter. Uh, he was going to get targeted on defense. If you play Grayson Allen, he's going to get targeted on defense. You play Pat Conton, he's going to get targeted on defense. You couldn't put together a coherent small ball lineup to try any of those things because it just it just wasn't going to work. So I, I think overall, big wing is still a concern because eventually it'll have to be Chris Middleton covering them at the moment. 
Um, maybe it's Wesley Matthews that can do all the work and, and make that happen. Um, but I, I also think we're getting to a point in Wesley Matthews' career where I think during the playoffs last year, during that Celtics series, he was right around 30 minutes a game. That feels like the absolute cap for what he can play. Um, and even that, I don't, I don't know what Wesley Matthews looks like if the Bucks have to play him all of those minutes for what is a what does it end up being if you play all four rounds? Twenty one games, twenty two games, something like that. Um, I, I don't know what that looks like if he has to play high leverage, heavy minutes against strong big wings for four straight rounds. I don't know if his body can hold up. So, so to me, big wing remains the thing, and. I'm sure if someone from the Bucks organization was listening right now, they would say, yeah, dummy, that's why we got Joe Ingles. And that's fair. Like, he is six foot eight. He is much bigger than I think people give him credit for. Um, and he's a more functional defender than people give him credit for. But he's also not, like, a lockdown defender. Um, he, he, that is not what he does. He adds other things, but he, he doesn't do that. So... Uh, that's why, you know, when I was talking with Zach and I've talked with other people and written, you know, that's why Jay Crowder's at least interesting to the Bucks, uh, because I do think Jay is more capable in those moments than Wes is at, at this moment. And I do think, you know, you could move up your MFing big wing kind of potential by trading for someone like him. I just don't know that they need it, and then I don't know if it works out, if Joe Ingles works out. Uh, do you end up even playing him uh, in those moments if Joe Ingles works out? And, and that is something that they have a lot of faith in. So um, big wing is, is, I think, probably always going to be a concern um, for just about every team because it's really hard to find guys that can, one, defend on that end and capably hold up for a full series, and then, two, um, not be completely worthless on the offensive end. And you, you have to find a way to somehow, if you're not going to get covered, as P.J. Tucker often did not during the championship run, you got to crash the glass hard every single time and make them pay. Uh, you you got to find other ways to do things, and, and that will always be something that, that you have to worry about. Well, if we know one thing about Jay Crowder, he'll shoot it. He will. He, yeah. he, he is unafraid. He, he, that thing is he, going he will, up. Yeah, he will, he will put it up. Um. So you don't necessarily have, you know, some of the, like most of the, I would say most of the players who sort of fit the bill of like the, the, the shifty, quick, shooty, like scoring guard. Um, most of them are in the, 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 the Western Conference. I think Cleveland is maybe the one you think about. I mean, barring Atlanta, like becoming, I don't know. I don't know how, how threatening you really just up and down their team. Like they've got some stuff to figure out before they're even on the level you worry about, but it's like Cleveland with the two guys, Golden State and Memphis are sort of the, the, and you know, if you Golden State Memphis in the finals, um, but is there and, like and containing a Morant or, or containing Steph Curry? I, I just don't know that the, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Um, with the scheme that the Bucks have drawn up, I don't know if they care. Like this is this is a scheme that is drawn up to take away easy shots at the rim, and it is drawn up to take away pull up threes. 
And to me, those guys, and they really hurt you when they get loose from three. And they have a night where they make six or seven of them, and the points pile up in a hurry. But if you control for everything else, which the Bucks largely do, that still might not be enough. And I think they're, the way that they're built, I think, just really helps protect them from even though their scheme isn't going to stop that guy and they might not have a guy that can shut down that quick shifty guard, they can put Drew Holiday on him. And Drew Holiday is going to make that dude's life a living hell. I would pay and, money to watch uh, uh, Drew Holiday and, and, and Steph Curry go at it in a, it, in a playoff series. As, as, I, as I said to you last time I was on here, we all deserve Bucks Warriors in the finals. Uh, the Warriors are not holding up their end of the bargain uh, at the moment. I think uh, they'll be fine. I, but I, like, I, yeah. I think they'll, they'll figure out what they are by the end of the year. But, yes, we, I think we do deserve that. I, I think it would be – I would be delighted to get to watch Steph and Drew – go at it for seven games. Uh, that, that would be great. It, so, so I think overall, um, no, I, I don't know if they have exactly what you imagine is, you know, like the shutdown guy for that. But I, I just don't think it's, if we're talking about weaknesses of the Bucks defense, I just don't know that one or two shifty guards going off or shifty guard going off is very high on the list of concerns. Like that, that to me just isn't something that that really hurts them. Okay. No, to me it is. It is the 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 the, the I guess the, the the term I'm looking for is scheme breakers. Like I think I I'm, it, I'm not sure Morant is quite that. I'm quite certain that that Steph can be that for four or five games in a series. For sure. And then and then and then sort of what happens. But that's you know. That's that's as as we I'm, say that's that's first world problems. And, if you were, Steph Curry might beat us four times in seven games. Well, yeah. And honestly, if you were in text messages with Seth and I last year during the finals, what was I screaming at the top of my lungs? I, I was saying, just stick with the blanking drop coverage. Like who cares? Yeah. Like who? Blanking cares that Steph is getting loose in this way and doing that. You're covering everything else well. Stick with the drop coverage. And they didn't. And that, to me, was like, I, I don't know if they beat them sticking in drop coverage. But the moment the Celtics came out and were like, oh, we're going to switch and we're going to do this, it was like, it's a wrap. It's over. It's done. Like, the, the Warriors would, are delighted for you to let them split cut you to death and backdoor you to death. They've been practicing that for a decade. They've been dying for you to let them do that. Ironically, and, it, uh, and we've, we've had this argument offline. Ironically, uh, Boston's defense is not well off in the mid-series. It was their offense, which mirrors right, a little so, bit what we talked about right. earlier with, with the Bucks. For sure. Um, so I think that's the last team I kind of want to ask you about is I think – I think that the that absent a healthy Robert Williams, I don't think the Bucks are super worried about the Celtics. I mean, you know, absent, you know, okay, Jason Tatum goes like 
God mode for, for two weeks, which is, you know, it's a, it's a chip in a chair, but it's not, um, with a healthy Robert Williams, what do we think about that? With a, with even a, like, assuming like fully healthy Robert Williams, it's probably not on the table, at least this season, but like, you know, a, a 90-ish percent health, healthy Robert Williams. Do we, are we, are we, are we, are we worried at all? Is it a chance for revenge? Is it, is it, uh, uh well, so what percentage health are you putting in Robert Williams, uh, last series against the Bucks? 70, uh, 60, 70, 80, somewhere, yeah, 60 to 80, somewhere in there. Okay. Like probably, and it was, and the thing is, it wasn't like a constant across the series. Yeah. It was like some games he, some games he was live, some games he was dragging. Um, so I, I think overall, as I mentioned at the at the start of these questions about you know what what could beat the bugs, um, I, I think at the base of it is you have to find a way to make it hard on Giannis. I don't know if the Celtics do that. Like I don't know if they have the requisite size. Um, I don't know if like. Okay, so yeah, you switched on Giannis a bunch of times. Okay, he's cool with that. Oh, you you made Giannis work in isolation. Yeah, that that sounds good. <laughs> that that's fine. Like as long as you don't have that guy at the backside that can also help out, and a guy that really makes it hard on him. Like, does Grant Williams flop enough to do it? I don't think so. Like, I, I don't think he's good enough on the ball. Um, so the, the first problem with Celtics is I don't think they make it quite hard enough on Giannis. Um, and I don't even know what it was last series. First got to do 200 points, hundred rebounds and 50 assists in the series, or maybe I need to bump those numbers up. Um, cause that doesn't sound right. 250 and 150, something of that nature. It was just ridiculous. throw out numbers. I'm sure it'll be, it'll sure be right. Um, the plateaus, they don't do enough to make it tough on Giannis. So that's my initial struggle with it. But what I do think they do is that defensively, I, I think their switches really kind of punched the Bucks in the mouth last year. And, and the Bucks really kind of short-circuited in those moments. Um, I don't know if those same things happen with Chris Middleton, because as I've told anyone that will ask me, that. The reason why you trade for Drew Holiday to play with Giannis and Chris is that you have three guys that are, I don't know, top 50 or so players in isolation at, on a year-in-year-out basis, and in the good years, probably in the top 20. Like That's why you have those guys, to beat switches and to be able to take advantage of those situations. Um so I, I think ultimately the Celtics are always going to make it hard on the Bucks, just because they have a lot of talent and Al Horford is a problem and plays well against the Bucks. Uh, Jason Tatum is ascending quickly the superstar scale. Um, so all of those things, Jalen Brown's fantastic. Malcolm Brogdon, like you go down the list, that's a super deep team. Um, that I just the tough part is without Robert Williams back there and the full Robert Williams, I don't know if they do enough at the rim to really make it hard on Giannis. That's fair. Um, before we so 
I want to get into like more more kind of uh, esoteric flights of fancy about like the team like the the team coalescing that that you would be most worried about. But uh, Charlie's been waiting patiently, and he's of course uh, a somewhat local and a Bucks fan, so I'm sure he's he's got something interesting for us. Charlie, you want to you want to? Uh, what do you How's it going, fellas? Just passing through the scenic outskirts of Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, en route to uh, watch the herd tonight. Um, so less of a nuts and bolts basketball question for you, Eric and Seth. Curious your thoughts. I, I, I'm watch, I watch Thanasis Antetokounmpo after the game, and he seems like he's best friends with, like, every single player on, on every opposing team. Um, I, from a personal personality standpoint, like, the dude never – he never played AAU. He didn't come up in college with these guys or camp. Like, how does he know everyone? Um, what is his personality like in contrast to Giannis, who doesn't seem that – you know, always outgoing with other guys. And, and um, yeah, I'm just curious, like, how Thanasis of all people is, like, I'm pretty sure he did a jersey shop, a jersey swap with Cade Cunningham the other day. Um, like, what's his deal? How is it? Does he have an after-hours spot somewhere that he, like, entertains <laughs> opposing players? Like, what what's he like personality-wise that he's friends with so many so many guys around the league? Um, so, I, I guess I would start here. Um, when... When PJ Tucker got traded to the Bucks, um, he mentioned something about how he's known Darv forever. So he's talking about Darvin Ham, and he's like, "Oh man, I've known that dude forever." And that year was a pandemic year, so none of us were getting one on ones. You couldn't even be like within ten feet of a player. So you know, you're just grasping at straws and trying to figure out how do I tell any interesting stories about this team. So I finally get PJ for a one-on-one right before the NBA finals. And in my head, I've been building up this, this piece of knowledge, right? That Darwin's known him forever. So in my head, I'm like, all right, this is my way in on this feature. This is going to be like, they knew he was perfect because Darwin knew him from here. And like that in my head was like, this is going to be perfect. So talking to PJ, one of the first questions I'm like, Hey man, you know, when you first came in, you mentioned like how, how well, you know, Darwin that you've known him forever. Like what's the connection there? Like it was Texas, Texas tech. Like, I don't even know. Like how did, I'm trying to think is that was he on like a staff or like, was he at a workout or something? And PJ looked at me and he goes, dog, it's the NBA. Everybody knows everybody. And I was like, wait, what? I was like, there's, there's no like real connection. He's like, I don't know. He's like, we all know each other. You see somebody at like a camp or you see them at summer league or you see them before game. Like, he's like, everybody just knows everybody. You got to, you got to, you, you, you got to understand that. Like, there's no, he's like, there's, there's not, there's no like, you know, cool story or anything about how I know Darvin Ham. Like, I just know him. Like, I know everybody. Like, and anyone around the league, like, you're just going to know him. So I think that should be, like, the first base knowledge that you have about the NBA is that, like, everyone knows everyone. And whether it's, like, they went through to NBA Africa, basketball, beyond board, like, anything. Like, all of those things just add up. And if you're in the league for a long time, 
you just kind of know people. And then I think the second part of it is while Giannis does not necessarily project as the most uh, outward facing player uh, and the most friendly to other people, um, he does have quite a jersey collection. Uh, He does make sure that he gets those jersey swaps with lots of players. And, well, if he's not going to do it, he's not going to do it publicly, he needs someone to do it. (laughs) And that is where T.A. can be very useful, right? Like, T.A. hasn't been competing against this guy, like, all night. Like, T.A. can go over and talk to someone, and uh, he's naturally very charismatic. He's a funny dude. He's fun to be around. He is incredibly genuine. Like, every conversation I've ever had with him has been very, like, it's been a ton of fun because that is just the personality that he has. So, to me, those are the two big things, is that, one, in the league, everybody knows everybody. And it doesn't matter, like, what you did before that. Once you're in the league, you just see everybody everywhere. And everyone knows everyone. And then the second part is, like, T.A. is is a very good brother and a very helpful person to, to have around. Seth, do you have any, I, any I thoughts think I, I Honestly, I think you might be selling, you know, the, the, the second point might be selling him a little short. I mean, he's very gregarious, as you say. Um, I didn't, like, my time with the Bucks not overlap with his, but I've you know, been around him in social situations, just super, like you say, you know, funny, gregarious, yeah, um, fun to be around. And the, and like, you know, that the enthusiasm of him on the bench, I think if it came off as fake at all, would be absolutely exhausting to be around. Um, <laughs> no, and, for sure. For sure. And, and it's, it, I, I, that's him. You know, yeah, and and it's and it's not, and it's to the point where, like, you know, the the fifteenth man spot is an interesting point place in the NBA, and my impression is that if his last name was Adams and not Antetokounmpo, I think he would still be a credible person in that spot because yeah. of his of his like he probably wouldn't get it, but it would be the the kind of person who you would you would like enthusiastic ready to go kind of kind of uh kind of thing. So and I think that that's you know, there's a certain infectiousness to that that, you know, um you know, it, it's not in some ways not completely unlike PJ Tucker himself. In like, yeah, you know everyone. The reason PJ Tucker knows everybody is he talks to everybody. Like yeah, he's, he's he's just talking all the time. Yeah, he's just talking all the time. And so that's that's you know, some guys are very quiet, very blah blah blah. Some people, when they do, when they play sports, just talk. And right. it's not like I'm not talking shit. I'm just like, this is how I, this is how I get in the flow. Is just like my mouth is going, and <laughs> yep. and um, and I think that that's, um, and not in like a, not in like a, you know, not in a Devin Booker trying to get Clay Thompson to kill him kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think that's, I, I think that's that's, I think that covers it, right? Yeah, I think so. And you're you're probably right. I I I should have hit harder on the fact that and I did mention this, but TA is just fun to be around. Like he's just a fun person to be around. And while Giannis will have good jokes and he he can be that person if he's comfortable with you, like TA is just that to everyone. 
all the time. Doesn't matter if he's known you his whole life or he literally just met you. He will be that all the time. I think maybe the way to put it is someone who who very much appreciates, um, you know, the, the, there's the announcers occasionally get sanctimonious about, you know, what a privilege it is to to be in this league and blah, blah, blah. And um, I, I think that um, among most players, it seems like he's he is one of the players who takes real joy and just like, yeah, this is pretty damn cool. Let's have fun with it. <laughs> yes, I, I would agree with that. Um, so Charlie, thanks for the question. Thanks for thanks for listening as always. Um, I want to end with probably keep you uh, you know five five or ten minutes. Okay, we've talked about specific teams, but I think that with you know this has been a season with a lot of weirdness, a lot of upheaval already. There's it seems like that that's the kind of backdrop against like. Boy, I didn't see that trade coming. Kind of could happen. I want you to doom doomsay. Like what's like the kind of team that could come together and it'd be like oh shit from a from a Bucks perspective. I Ooh. like I will say like um the example I, I like an example was was in, in twenty nineteen when the, when the Raptors won the title, it's like you know, we had traded for Nico Mirotic. We were rolling. We were pretty happy. And then the news comes down <laughs> that the Raptors traded for Marc Gasol. And we're like, uh, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. just instantly, like, ooh, that sucks for us. Um, I mean, if – I think there's, like, a number of teams that if they trade for a good wing, they get more interesting, right? Like – if the Cavs somehow find a legit scoring wing, um, that like... I think I, I mean I think we need to name names because it's just like you know like the the problem is this this mythical like is it like who is that is that, I mean you can't, can't say Cam Johnson because he's out but is it something like someone that level someone to step up <sighs> from that or you know oh man. Um... A number of those people have, uh, like, signed extensions or something like that. Uh, I'm really, I'm always so bad at this game because um, I'm so siloed to Buck's thoughts. Um, let's see. Who's a wing that the Cavs could trade for? Um, I mean, shit, like, even Jay Crowder makes them better. Yeah. Um, like, they just, like, don't have wings. That helps. Like, if like Kevin Herter or something like that, is that like, I don't know. That's I don't know about you. Like the, uh, you're out on Kevin Herter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just like someone who like can, can do some stuff and can just shoot the piss out of it. Yeah. Like, I, I think I, I don't, I, I know I mentioned that the Hawks having both Okongwu and Capella is helpful uh, because they can both annoy Giannis in different ways. But as I mentioned on Twitter, like they need to find a way to play Okongwu 30 minutes a night, and that would be trading Capella. And I think there's just like some overlap in Atlanta that doesn't make a ton of sense. And it's, so it's like, all right, can they clean that up? And if you trade Capella in, I don't know, Bogdanovich or something like that, you're looking at bigger money is is there someone in there that that makes some sense i don't like does 
is that enough for like a Miles Turner and Buddy Heald package? And does that help the Hawks? Maybe not. Um, but is there something out there? I mean, Shea getting traded to anyone is legitimately terrifying. So if Shea Gilgis Alexander actually gets traded, I don't know what the Thunder are thinking. I know Sam Amick wrote some about that today over at the Athletic and. I mean, that's, you know, a, that, that's the, a pretty. That's a pretty big swing guy. I would the, say the Thunder are going to obviously deny that and say we're never going to do it. But I don't know. We we can all see the timeline and how things work there. Um, maybe that happens. But yeah, like if anyone in the East trades for Shea, uh, that team is a problem. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to name two other players that if you somehow dropped on another team, two very different players. One who I've, you can probably guess who it is because I've tried to trade them in half the league, John Collins. Yeah. Uh, or Jakob Pertl. You Are there any teams you drop one of those guys on and you're like, ooh. Um, Pertl, not so much. Um, I just don't know if he can play. By the way, the I, I, Frank Madden is very, very uh, proud of the way you pronounced his last name there. Thank but, you. Thank you. Yeah. I was proud of myself on that one. Um, so he just doesn't shoot the, the free throws well enough. I just don't know if that can play against the Bucks for seven games. Um, John Collins, I'm trying to think where John Collins could go. Um, you go play the three in Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. You do, mean, do like a poor man's marketing, which is, you know, the fact that you would call it a poor man's marketing now is like... <laughs> Um, I mean, like John Collins, what about like John Collins to Miami? That, that would be like some juice that they don't have right now. You, I mean, that team, like all of a sudden that team has my attention. If you're four and five is Bam and Collins, and you know, you, you, like a front line of, of Butler, Bam and Collins. I have, I truly have no idea how they make that trade uh, because their pieces are not, very tradable. Their contracts are weird. They're just, they got a weird yeah. roster, um, which is probably held them up from trading for Jay Crowder because they can't. I mean, there's no way for them to do it at the moment. Um, so yeah, like John Collins to Miami, that would be, that would be legitimately interesting. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of Sixers trades and I don't, I don't know what they do. They just, they're just going to fire Doc, right? Like, I mean, Okay, yeah, you put you 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 put a coach with some offensive juice with that team. I, right. I think we'd have to see what it. I, I think it, we'd, we'd so. Yeah, let me tra- let like. me let me trade Doc Rivers for coach that is different. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, however, he's better than Doc Rivers. Like, let me do that. Um, well, do that, and maybe the Sixers are scarier. And somehow, and somehow, give them like Charles Bassey back so that they have a. Backup five and well, yeah, they've made some mistakes. Yeah. Uh, mistakes were made, certainly. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, so that so the one I'm gonna go with John Collins to Miami. That's okay. that's the one. All right, that's uh, that, that, that's interesting enough. Um, so I think that unless you have anything else, either Bucks related or just kind of around the league, you want to uh, you want to you want to finish on, um, or just let you uh, pitch your forthcoming story again. Um, okay, so I'm going to talk about Brooke Lopez and how he's changed his three-point stroke tomorrow at the Athletic. That's the pitch. Um, it's interesting. It's nerdy. I think it's kind of fun. Um, 
the where I'd want to end. Um, Timberwolves are they fixable? You've been able to watch them more than me. Because it's heartbreaking. Because I would tell anyone that would freaking listen that the next team that Rudy Gobert played for was going to win 50 games this season. I was so sure of it. And then somehow he gets traded to a team where he might actively be a worse fit than he was in the mess that was the Utah Jazz last season. I mean, the thing is, is they're 5-7, and seven, which is not, like, disastrous. Sure. It's not but out the of time. the vibes are so much worse than that record. They're terrible. The vibes that's, are terrible. That's, that's, yeah. I mean, are they fixable? I mean, you know, this is, this is to go with, uh, to go with, you know, one of Hollinger's favorite things. The first adjustment is just to play better. Stop sure. sucking. Anthony yeah. Edwards, stop, stop. You know, I, I, sucking might be strong. But Anthony Edwards hasn't been good to start the year. Right. Carl uh, Anthony Towns hasn't shot the ball well to start the year. Um, Jaden McDaniels has done nothing to start the year. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll we'd say D'Angelo Russell has been bad, but that's that. Yeah, I think we, we I think we both priced that in to, right. to our uh, estimation of of the Timberwolves. So, is it so, like like the fit is was always going to be weird? But like, right. if Anthony Edwards is like playing like an all star, it's it. Is it becomes a little more okay? So what? Like Philly's pieces don't fit perfectly either, but they'll win fifty some games right. assuming they stay healthy. Um, so like okay, is, that that's enough hope for me. Yeah. I'll take it. That's fine. I mean, the, but the I mean, again, it's not the it's not the it's it's the manner, not the result that is that is correct concerning. Um, yeah, vibes are bad. Vi- like vibes, yeah, vibes are uh, vibes are way bad. It's it is like I'm not sure there's a worse. Wor- I'm not sure the Lakers have vibes at that bad of the of the, of the Timberwolves right now. Whew. That's that's I mean, not good. I mean, as of right now, I don't think the Nets have worse vibes than the Timberwolves right now. Oh, the Nets are cooking. They got rid of Kyrie and they're cooking, man. And 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 they they kind of. I, I mean, I think they. Um, I'll be honest, I. The night the suspension got announced, I told Jim Ozarski, who covers the Bucks at the Journal Sentinel here in Milwaukee, that the Nets were going to go 5-0 and in the games without <laughs> Kyrie. And I was willing to put a, a sizable sum on that. Um, I would never, but that's a, it's a turn of phrase. Um, and yeah. Also, the, making Jock three Vaughn and one. The, the interim um, probably was a vibe saver for them also. I would agree. But uh, you, like, but that's okay. Kyrie yeah. will come back in, I don't know, 10 games, and then, then we'll see how it goes. We'll see. I don't, like, yeah. If we don't, if, if we don't talk about them, the re- well, if we don't talk about him the rest of the year, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. I would prefer that. That would be, that would be great. <laughs> Maybe he can go be chief safety officer for Twitter. Since, since their guy just resigned. I mean, he'd be perfect in that role. Uh, he um, would be. He would be. Um, all right, Seth. I look forward to having coffee with you tomorrow morning. Yeah. Th- th- uh, thanks for joining me, and uh, thanks, folks, for listening. We'll be back next week with more